The world of marketing is ever-changing and can be confusing, frustrating, and outright exhausting. Welcome to Unbottled, the marketing podcast where experts share their experiences, stories, and best practices on online and internet marketing. Featuring Steve Wiedemann, former marketer for Disney, Skechers, and other well-known brands. Break through the hype with real marketing tips from industry leaders. This is Unbottleneck. Hi, my name is Steve Wiedemann, and welcome to another episode of our Unbottleneck podcast. Today, we have a very special treat. We're going to be talking about... Um, whether or not your business is giving the right impression. And with us today is Gil Nevo. Is that how I pronounce it? I pronounce it right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Bill uh, Nevo is with Superbrand, and it's the heartfelt brand that soars. What a great slogan. We got to talk about that here in a minute. Um, Bill's company mission is to help customers rise above the noise and create authentic branding that gets them noticed online. Um, Bill's uh, background is in creative TV and advertising for over 15 years, which is amazing. He animated over 100 episodes of the show South Park. Oh my God, I love that show. <laughs> I don't know if you do, but I absolutely love it. Um, as well as helped brands, uh, brand powerhouses like Coca-Cola, Ben & Jerry's, Vitamin Water, and helping them communicate their messages around the world. Gil has worked in many different capacities throughout his career, including as a designer, animator, art director, creative director, and producer. That is a mouthful. He was lucky enough to cut his teeth on some of the strongest, most coherent brands out there before going on to use what he learned and found it in his own business, Nice Studios, a media production company. Gil, welcome to Unbottleneck. And did I miss anything in that intro? Because it sounds like there's some things going on that we no. haven't heard in that it sounds, incredible. it sounds like a creative uh career add for me <laughs> it sounds it sounds like um what's the the entrepreneur serial entrepreneur syndrome right where you're just you're so um passionate about what you do that you just you look back at your background like wow i did all those things well they were just stepping stones to get to where you are and you look at them and you're like these are pretty big things but to you they were just you know part of the journey you know that's i think that's pretty incredible so yeah. you're based out in LA. I am indeed downtown Los Angeles. That is um, actually right around the corner. Why haven't we gotten together? Oh, that's right. There's a pandemic. Yeah. Well, we'll do that soon. Yeah, yeah. we'll make it happen. So yeah. that'll be fun. Well, cool. Well, well, thanks. Thanks again for being on our show. Uh, we did put some questions together for you because yeah. we thought uh, we thought what better than to ask somebody who's also here in LA about the things that you know, we do in the agency and the digital world. Um, let's start with kind of a, a popular question. What is, in your opinion, a brand ambassador? Okay. So first of all, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's good to see you again. Um, good to be on, what is it? The What what episode number of Unbottleneck? <laughs> 300, no, I wish. Uh, <laughs> I believe we're on episode four. Great. Well, that's an honor. I'm early, and, and hopefully, I'll be a you know a repeat guest down the line. You're a cornerstone. Um, you're you're part exactly. of our foundation. This is great. Exactly. I feel like a founding father. <laughs> um, so no, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Um, so brand ambassador. Um, look, there's a lot of definitions for brand ambassador, and different people see it as different things. And actually, you know, as I looked at your questions, the follow-up question was how important is this role becoming it? At what point does a founder of a company consider handing off this role? And so I would say that a brand ambassador can be anybody 
who loves your brand and engages with your brand enough to speak about it and tell other people about it. Now, obviously there's lots of ways that that can be handled. First of all, you know, social media influencer might love the brand enough and just you know, speak about it to uh, his or her audience. Um, you can also have a paid brand ambassador like Vitamin Water, who I worked for for many years, you know, used 50 Cent and all these uh, and Kobe and all these athletes to promote Vitamin Water. And they were brand kind of moves into influencer marketing a bit, too, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. of course, look, there's a great article by Kevin Kelly called Your 1000 True Fans. Have you read that article? No, I haven't. I'll check it out. So I'm sure a lot of viewers, you know, have read it because it's a pretty popular article, but it talks about a business being able to sustain itself off of a thousand true fans. And a true fan is somebody who basically loves your brand enough, who will buy anything that you put out in the market and will um, will spread the word about your brand. So a brand ambassador can be anyone from a true fan who just loves you to somebody you pay to promote, you know, your brand. The key is that this is something that you should always be doing, right? You should never hand it off. Everyone on your team should be a brand ambassador. Every one of, you know, your goal as a company is to make every person a brand ambassador. And you do that through, you know, engaging them with branding, through creating great customer service, through telling stories, through entertaining. I know that's a, that's a question we'll get to as well. Making it not about yourself, but about the people who support you and who um, who believe in in your product, service, and brand. I think that's amazing. You know, and I I remember doing a lot of online reputation management back in the day, and one of the one of the areas of focus was to was to try to connect with our customers in a way that that got them to engage with us on social channels. So if if some radical person decided to to say something negative instead of you having to figure out how do we get this removed all of your brand ambassadors and brand loyalists uh, would jump into that discussion and basically bury it right mm -hmm. they would they would say you know you're you're nuts and you know we love the product here's a picture of me with yeah. it you're crazy you're doing it wrong you know and so um building building that kind of brand loyalty and and a small army or tribe of brand ambassadors seems seems like the way to leverage word of mouth and to to really focus on letting your customer be your voice instead of spending you know millions of ad dollars um a lot of times just a word of mouth campaign we did that at disney back in 2006 and i remember um i remember asking my my boss i'm like so exactly what is what is this affordability campaign is there is there like a, a discount or something what are we what are we promoting well no we're not actually giving any discounts right now we're just we're calling it an affordability or word of mouth campaign to remind people that it's affordable to go to the parks. I'm like, so it looks like a promotion, but all you're all you're really doing is just saying come to the park, but in a way that makes it seem like there's a savings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's actually kind of genius. And then the word of mouth part of it was what you know really took off. Everybody was like, whoa, did you know you could get a you know Disney you know vacation for like 2,500 bucks? You know yeah. we didn't we didn't know that, but that wasn't a discount. That was normal pricing. They just never really promoted it. So. Yeah. And doing that, you know, it, it builds awareness and it focuses on the people who really need, um, really need that that discount, <laughs> right? Yeah. So to say, or, or to know that there's a, a lower co uh, cost associated. Yeah. So that's, that's there was. Uh, I'll just give you another. Sorry, I'll give you another example. 
Um, you know, a brand that I'll mention probably a couple of times on this call is Patagonia because they've built such a strong brand and following. But a few years ago, they had an issue with, a, you know, a wool sheep farm where they were getting their wool um, that was found to be doing some unethical stuff. And there was a bunch of uh, a few articles written. And I remember looking at the comments and Patagonia and, you know, Patagonia did exactly what what um, what it should do uh, as like in line with their ethos, which is right away say, we're investigating this. We obviously don't condone, you know, any uh, mistreatment of animals. And we're looking into this, this farm to see what's going on. And I saw all these comments going, you know, wanting to tear down Patagonia, like, oh, you know, how hypocritical that you would do this, right? And then all of these fans of Patagonia were just like, just stomping it because they understood that the company had a stronger ethos. They believed in the company to actually right the wrong. And so they gave them that opportunity. And that scandal didn't touch Patagonia because they already had those values embedded in the brand. And so people understood it. They had, they had enough brand ambassadors that, that exactly. were, weren't, weren't elected or selected. They just became it because they, they loved and appreciate the brand. And I, uh, without without uh, going off on a political tangent, I think we could say in this this election there was a little bit of that too. So uh, a lot of that, and, and we won't talk about that. We'll, we'll, well, you gave me a surprise question, which I am happy to answer. So uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so you do have a huge background in art, design, film, production, and more. By the way, did, I don't know if we talked about this before our our, uh, our discussion today, but you know I actually helped uh, a company out in LA uh, called Fitum. That fashion institute of design and so we we actually help them uh and their content writers understand um some really in-depth keyword research and how to make their pages appear higher in search results so we're we're somewhat connected my my uh kids are uh both going to orange county school of arts so osha kids so super uh super common uh you know trait we have there that's pretty cool very cool yeah. so um let's let's talk about animation so you animated over 100 episodes of south park um, there's an instant brand recognition when we we see like Kenny or, or Chef, and um, it, I even got to see sort of the the pilot episode, the the um, uh, religion versus um, you know uh, Santa Claus thing, right? Yeah. Um, and and hear Carmen's voice, listen to that theme song, and I'll tell you every time I, I take protein powder, I turn around at my wife and I'm like beefcake. Um, <laughs> question: Should small businesses be working smarter and harder to create messaging that entertains? Their potential customers and existing clients yeah yes absolutely and i think i'll say look entertains and you know obviously the the way you frame the question with south park you think that you'd have to be funny but entertain does not mean that you have to be funny entertain means engage right entertain is you know i would say that to blow that up is a great brand would both entertain educate and have and merge that with a valuable product right and then you've got a great brand so it doesn't have to be funny um as long as it's engaging as long as people are either learning something or have a reason to tune in um and and that it's sticky right it has something about it that makes people want to tune in again and again so a great company that's done that recently in the last six years or so seven years was a company called headspace so it's a meditation app have you ever used them uh, yeah, actually, I have Headspace and yeah. Calm. Uh -huh. 
Okay, so you remember when Headspace came out, they were the first of its kind, and they had these great little animations at the beginning that ran you through the different stages of meditation. I remember. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, you got it. (laughs) So basically, that was a huge, you know, that was an entertaining thing that they did to get people engaged, to make people, it it shows their sort of ethos and their vibe, and it creates a brand personality. And it was a really nice way to introduce people to meditation in this kind of simple, cartoony, fun way. So they did a great job of entertaining. Other companies doing that right now, I mean, Goop, uh, which is uh, the Gwyneth Paltrow company that has a TV series on. There's uh, Red Bull, um, which obviously is huge. You know, they have Red Bull, you know, entertainment arm, right? Um, Gary Vaynerchuk, if you know who he is, you know he does a lot of. Yeah, we uh, we spoke to him at the RD Summit last year. He had the big stage. (laughs) So entertaining is huge. Yeah. It's huge. Now, do you think do you think relating or having having content that that your audience can relate to plays a role in that? Because I notice when you know I, I follow a lot of what well, I used to when I had a lot more time, but I used to follow um, like the oatmeal was one of my favorites, and then the onion. Now there are two things that I thought were really relatable and and entertaining that when I when I looked at and did a little bit of forensic work to see how many people were sharing and had linked to the content. It just completely blew my mind. One of them was on the oatmeal. There's a comic that is, it's called When uh, Web Design Goes Straight to Hell. And this comic basically goes through this this whole storyline of, um, you know, a, a, a business owner who's working with a web designer, Boyd's Toast, I think was the example. And he says, here's my, you know, audacious 1998 website with stars and scrolling marquees and stuff. And the web designer's like, I got you, I got you covered. And he gives him this beautiful design with toast and graphics just just amazing looking thing and the owner goes yeah that's really interesting but i have some changes i want to make to it and then by the end the the designer is just like you know and yeah. we have combination right because my my mother did a brochure in the 80s and she's really good and she says we should have kittens on there because people relate to that and so yeah. web designers since there's so many of them relate so well to that comic that whenever they're in a circumstance they refer to it and referring to it means links means mentions you know, helps build the brand, helps drive traffic and helps move up holistic search engine rankings for that website because now they have some 20,000 links from one simple piece of content. Yeah. 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 Um, how, really do you use, how do you use that in SEO? Yeah. So that's, well, relatable to me when I, well, you mean for like a comic? A comic yeah. in our, our world probably more like an infographic or something very descriptive. We're right. working on one right now with our, um, with our friend Brian Wallace and, now sourcing, they're they're putting this incredible infographic together based on some research that we did. Um, I don't know how entertaining it's going to be, but it's definitely gonna be educational for you know brands that have two or three thousand locations and like, how am I gonna get this page, which is the same across those locations, to show yeah. up in search results and be unique? You know, and so we you know we did some research and we we got this really neat diagram we're putting together and. Um, we're excited to, to show that. So that's, it's a point of reference. And if, if folks reference something online that you created, Google, of course, passes page rank value from that reference in the link. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, helps move up search rankings. Well, I'll tell you one of the, one of the keys to entertaining. Um, and if you want to build an entertaining brand, one of the keys to entertaining is showing your vulnerability. So in a way, that's what entertaining is about. It's about showing 
whether that comes off as a funny way, uh, in a funny way, it shows your true personality and people always see themselves in people who are being vulnerable and they go, they kind of feel like, well, I can't do that. And so they, they express their vulnerability and their sort of authenticity through people entertaining. That's why Gary Vaynerchuk, for example, is so entertaining because he runs the gamut of his emotions with every, with every little thing that he does, right? He's either angry or he's talking fast or he's passionate or he's vulnerable, right? And that's why people tune in. So I, if I were to challenge you, if you said, well, we have this infographic that is gonna be educational, but maybe it's not quite entertaining, I would challenge you to find where your personality is in it mm -hmm. and where you can find some vulnerability. So maybe there's some self-deprecating humor, humor in it, or maybe there's something that you kind of admit, well, we don't know, but we think, right? So any place where you can be a little bit funny, now that content can become entertaining. Um, you know, from South, if you look at South Park as an example, you know, Trey Parker used everything that he went through in life was in that show. You know, uh, there's all these characters who are these fast. A lot of us related to it because we're like, oh, yeah. So we're, so like some of the Internet things they did, it was like, wait a minute. That's so funny. That's just like, so what, what our kids and so forth are going exactly. through. Yeah, that's amazing. Yep. So I think so, so I think relatable might, might be yeah. a, a cornerstone of, of creating, you know, content that's that's memorable for people. Right. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. All right, I got to put the BCGs back on. Have you heard that term before? Mm -mm. BCGs? BCGs are birth control glasses, and it's a military thing. And since it's Veterans Day, I figured I would throw one out <laughs> today. I know we didn't we didn't talk much about the whole Veterans Day, but I had to absolutely bring my uh, my blue cord in from uh, infantry because I thought, you know, I'm sure someone in the building, if there's anyone here today, might be interested in you know, my time in the '90s, you know, yeah. serving. <laughs> Happy Veterans Day. Yeah, thank you. All right. So uh, number three, I hear, are you telling companies to unlock the power of their brand? What does unlocking the power of your brand actually mean? And um, how does uh, branding lead to making more money? We talked about this a little bit before the, the call. So I'm, I'm actually really anxious to hear your answer. Yeah, I think it's so important. And it, and it, you know, we, we talked, we touched upon this a little bit. It's that unbottleneck right? It's the idea that there are lots of things about your brand that you may not be aware of that are actually stopping people from contacting you, from engaging with you and from hiring you or from going further on, on let's say a website, right? Or wherever they encounter it, website, social media. Mm -hmm. And you don't even realize you're doing it because you're just doing what you think you need to be doing in order to connect with people and you're telling them about what you do and what your services and what the benefits are and what you're forgetting and what you're not realizing is that people make emotional decisions mm -hmm. and they look at your website your content and they make an emotional decision right away and they don't even know they're doing it right and they're doing it because they're trained emotionally to respond to certain things positively negatively etc and so Branding is this kind of unsung hero. When it's done right, it's beautiful. It creates engaging fans. It creates, you know, uh, ambassadors like Patagonia. When it's done poorly, it actually turns people off immediately. And they don't even know why it's turning them off. They get turned off immediately. And this will run into the question of the different, you know, the next question I believe is the messaging cues, right? What are the messaging cues that actually, you know, 
you know, tell people whether to turn on or turn off or to dig deeper. So branding as a discipline is really about unblocking. Well, I'd say unlock the power of your brand. It's because it's unblocking those areas where people get stuck and they just, you know, they find you and they leave their site immediately, leave your site. Immediately. I feel like it's a little bit of a, of a pull versus a push. A push is here's, here's all the things I want to get out, but you're not listening to what the world is, is looking for and what they're asking. And if you're, if your content is geared toward solving specific problems and and having a voice in in you know very important industry conversations, then you know then then you're part of the ecosystem that's that is open and um, I think I think businesses respond to that and then even consumers will respond to that as opposed to just saying here's all the stuff we do. You're saying you know are you are you having trouble with this part of your phone and like a lot of people are like yeah I hate that you know here's here's a quick solution and a way to fix that. You know, and you, you start producing content that's relevant to your industry, but solving a lot of problems. I, I once asked one of our clients, you know, hey, could you give me a list of all the questions in your in your CRM that your customer service gets every day? Because we want to use those to to use them in Google, um, you know, questions and answers and search results. We want to use them for frequently asked questions or FAQ page markup. Um, and we want to use them for the voice assistant so that, you know, at some point you can cut down your customer service. Somebody could just say, talk to... Uh, company name, and and we can rattle off all those um, answers, you know, through the the voice assistants, yeah. and it's it's funny how how that culminates into you know creating you know engaging content that folks um, are really looking for, as opposed to just saying here's what I want to share. You're solving real problems that people have already asked you. I think that's yeah, I mean, look, that's a big part of it is anticipating the questions and understanding what your customers are looking for and what they're going to experience but but well and branding is even more than that right so the customer experience is one of that one of those things but also you have the aesthetic the personality the ethos the tone of voice the visual quality of your brand right like you know, all those things make a difference down to the typography. And I'll get into this in a little more detail, but even something like the typography on your website can literally give somebody a cue that you're either outdated, don't know what you're doing, don't care about them, don't care about their visual experience because humans are visual. So when we see something that is aesthetically pleasing, that pleases us, we have an emotional connection. When somebody welcomes us in their to their home, to their business, right? And they say, would you like a cup of coffee? That makes a difference. All of these little things. And so branding is about finding each one of those cues and starting to smooth them out and going, how can we make this experience awesome and emotionally gratifying and engaging for our customers? why so many people reference Apple in the digital world because they've done such a great job of trying to build you know really good aesthetics and just a really overall great brand online there's so many companies that do this well there's so many great examples you know I think about you know I mentioned Patagonia Orby mm -hmm. Parker Ben and Jerry's vitamin water Tom's shoes Nike Adidas like these are all brands right these are they have an ethos they have a visual aesthetic that you come to expect um, and they are consistent in their messaging and what they're trying to do. And so, yeah, it's uh, branding, like the best companies out there are branded. And if you're a small company and you're not taking advantage of those tools, then you're missing out. 
I know as a as a tech company, um, we have a lot of introverted folks here at, at Wiedemann, and we're trying to think how can we how can we convey a message in 2021 that that we're a fun, engaging, helpful, interesting brand when most of us spend our time in code and you know so so we're going through we're going through a very exhaustive um, exercise right now and trying to find what our our brand message is. You know we've we're queuing up several different uh, creatives and and statements, um, and then we're going to test some of those. You know within the the social platforms and see see where people respond, see where uh, what kind of engagement we get, and uh, and we're going to learn. You know and and from that learning, I think it's going to help us to really develop who we are. And I think you're right. I think it's going to come back to to authenticity, being authentic, being transparent, um, and and having fun in a way that is just being who we are. And if that's nerdy and and silly, then then that's what it is, and and people will respond to that who are are looking for that kind of content. So I'm 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 excited to see where it, where it goes, but I'm more excited that we got beyond the fear of getting out there and actually doing it. So many brands just won't do that, and I'm like, you haven't updated your website in six years, and every time I hear from you, you ask, you know, how come I don't get the traffic I used to get? <laughs> because because brands are are improving their presence online, and you haven't done anything to evolve. You've you've got this font size six that people can't read, you know. And and on mobile experience, you can't navigate to do anything because it's it hasn't been designed for mobile correctly. So yeah, I think I think there's a there's definitely a lot of of work, and sometimes it's just chipping away at it. Pick pick one thing per month, maybe as a as a small business, and say this month I'm going to focus on typography. Next month, I'm going to focus on aesthetics. Next month, I'm going to focus on my my color guide and, and style guide. Um, I think I think that makes it a little bit more attainable. If you're really small, make it quarterly. This quarter, I'm going to do typography. And yeah. you'll find in two, three, four years from now, you've you've worked to really try to build a better you know presence online. And hopefully, um, you know, your brand resonates now with users who visit your website. So I don't know. It's just so talking about those messaging cues, though. Yeah. Anyway, tangent here. <laughs> um, yeah. what are no, but sales? you're you're right. You just sold my business for me <laughs> because that's literally what I tell people all that's the time. Amazing. It's so it's like you don't understand how easy it is to lose somebody. It is so easy with the the way that um, information. Yeah, you know, information is structured today. It's like somebody goes on your site if they don't see the headline they want, they're gone. You know. And so people don't oh, quite you can't get just, it. Can't just shove my keyword in my headline. What that? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so what are hey, this actually segues into this question? What are the common signals that companies putting out there giving people the wrong impression of their business? Well, so yeah. I, think, I think the keyword stuffing is is a big part of it. That's really 1990s, and I still see a lot of that, particularly yeah. in law and in law, in law industry. But yeah, that's terrible because you get a bunch of gobbledygook that you know, may attract algorithms, but doesn't attract people. Not sustainable. You might get to the top, but you won't stay there. Once once the search engines figure out that you're not providing a great experience and users are coming back and choosing a different result, over yeah. time, you know, they have to infer that this wasn't very helpful and they're going to move it down or demote it. Yeah. So, so from um, an SEO perspective, that's huge. Yeah. So common yeah. signals um, given the wrong yeah. impression. All right. Wrong. So one thing that you mentioned, um, was old website. If you have not updated your website in three years, your uh, website looks outdated. Period. Trends this change. This is like a Jeff Foxworthy joke here. I can tell. 
If you really? haven't updated your website in three years, you exactly. might need a redesign. You <laughs> absolutely need a redesign. You know, <laughs> websites and web design and the internet and the tools, they change yearly. So if you haven't updated your website in three years, you look outdated, whether you think you do or not. Hey, we just did that three years ago. And no. why, why wouldn't I have my my nephew who's in high school, who's done some GoDaddy sites, redesign my website for me? That goes into the next the next cue, typography. <laughs> because typography is literally one of the most important things that people most people don't understand. Developers don't understand it. Even young designers don't understand how important typography is. Typesetting is literally one of the most um, impactful visual cues that we have. We see great typography and design every day. We look at companies like Apple and Nike and Adidas, and we see that, and they're done impeccably because they spend a lot of money and effort on design. And so we see that as a certain level. And then when you go down to other companies and you don't see that, then you know right away that they're cheap or that they've, they're using a template that you see everywhere. And so even though nobody recognizes it, they feel it, right? It feels that way. So sometimes you can use that to your advantage. So certain marketers use these kind of, you know, cheap typesetting and fonts as a way to connect with sort of their clientele. Mm -hmm. But if you're not using it on purpose, it most likely is hurting you, right? Yeah. So that means things like letter spacing and um, text, the size of your text and, and the font and all that stuff. So those things make a huge impact. Yep. Um, another thing is a uh, photography. Mm -hmm. You know, if you are not investing in your photography and you're using the, the photos that you shot of your employees on your flip phone, that's not going to work, right? People see that and they go, okay, this person is not treating their company with respect by taking great photos of people. Um, photography, uh, creating an inconsistent experience. So this is a brand, this is what you were talking about earlier, right? It's creating experience for people where you don't expect what they're going to ask and do, right? right. If you haven't managed their objections, if you haven't really tried to think out, well, what questions are they going to have for me that I can answer before they ever speak to me, then you are not giving them the information they need and the peace of mind to hire you and work with you. And they're going to go elsewhere. Yeah, I noticed um, one thing I know that both Applebee's and IHOP are working on right now is improving their delivery page experience. If you were to do a search for a restaurant delivery or breakfast delivery, one of the things that yeah. you'll see in the search results is a on mobile is a is a very nicely designed accelerated mobile page meant to load fast and rank well but it's void of the of the design of the rest of the website it's yeah. there's no responsive version of it so if you happen to look at it on a desktop even though most people are going to be on mobile um you're going to say where's the where's the menu where's the navigation where's yeah. where's all the things I, I i'm used to seeing on the website and suddenly i've got uh this huge white margin on both sides of the page and yeah. you know it's 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 definitely uh, confusing. Am I on a different website? Am I still on Applebee's or IHOP? So I think I think you're right. I think having having that consistency and that's what always turns me off about squeeze pages. The moment I'm on a page that I know I'm in some kind of click funnel, and I'm like, yep, I'm not going to get suckered into this. I don't care if it is five dollars because I'm done. It'll end up being like eleven hundred. So forget it. 
Yeah. <laughs> so uh, hopefully users are learning from that that click funnel experience and not you know falling prey to it. Yeah. One thing that I mean, look, users have they have a second sort of sense for or clients, customers, um, uh -huh. they have a second sense for this stuff. They've experienced it before. They get on a page, they recognize it right away, and it either it either excites them because they're the type of customer that that's for, or it immediately turns them off. Yep. And so you have to make a conscious decision about these things, or mm -hmm. you're you might be missing your audience. You know, one of the things that I do with Superbrand is branding is kind of a little esoteric sometimes, right? It's hard to understand what it is that I'm going to produce for them because we're talking about messaging and we're talking about these sort of high level ideas. And so what I do is I have a sheet for people that runs them through everything that I'm going to do, everything that I'm going to ask them, the type of things that we're going to talk about, how it works, what are the results? And I put that right in my proposal so that they understand what that I have a process, that this isn't just like, oh, Gil's a, an artist and a creative and he's just going to make it great. It's like, yeah, no, Gil's I can make the money come in. We don't have to do anything. Yeah, exactly. So I make sure that that I answer all their questions before so that they can come in knowing that we have a process in place, that we've done it before, that we've thought about what they're going to ask and what they're going to be worried about. I'm a little more aggressive. And in, in our proposals, we actually have four rows in a in a table that require that they initial that they understand how much oh, they have great. to be involved and what's going to be required on their end so that they don't think that we're just going to suddenly make the phone ring for them, you know, that that there's going to be work and they're going to have to contribute both in in helping us create rich media, you know, mm -hmm. and um, uh, approving content and, and content guidelines and so yeah, it's I think it's really important. It's, it helps set ex expectations, I think, well with them, but also yeah. educates them to know that there's there's a lot more involved in in these different disciplines of online marketing, especially yeah. in, in branding and in, in SEO. Um, you know that that do require a lot of engagement. Yeah. Oh, one of my favorite questions. Uh, I love I love this too, and I've got some stories myself. What's your take on lifestyle branding? Are you a fan of brands marketing a way of life before their actual products and services? I want to hear yours, your take on this, and I've, I've got some feedback too. Why don't you give your take? Because you have a take on it. I'd love to hear yours. Sure. So, so we actually got to work with California Closet several years ago, mm -hmm. and um, it was interesting because you know we came in as our standard. Here's here's our our sort of uh, template roadmap of how we address search. We're gonna we're gonna start with doing a technical audit, and then we're gonna get into looking at specific pages and why they're not ranking for keywords, and then we're gonna look at um, you know, where competitors are getting links that we need to, you know, get links from. Uh, and then let's, let's really fully develop like a, a full on taxonomy strategy plan for them. And as we started to get into it, they kept pausing to, to uh, interject, say, wait a minute, wait, that, that doesn't necessarily convey the message that we want to have to our, our, our audience. Um, when you look at their site, it's not about, here's an example of a closet, how much it costs and why you should buy them. It's showing real people in real environments that make you say, uh, as, as sort of lifestyle customer, yes, this is the lifestyle I want. This is this is what, in the back of my mind, you've you've almost brought my dream to reality just in what you have, and I want that. And and I, I thought that was really genius. So we we couldn't do some of the the recommendations that we had to attract links because it contradicted what they were trying to convey to their audience as a lifestyle brand. So I learned I learned very quickly that. Um, you know, there, there's absolutely a separation in MarTech between the, the marketing and, and technology and the technology side 
as, as helpful as it can be for search engines, as you mentioned before, if it doesn't align with the marketing side and what we're trying to convey to our customers, then it's pointless. So, um, so we learn, we learn give and take. We learn to say, you know what, let's, let's troubleshoot down the road. Let's, let's work with what we have. Let's, let's do the best we can with what we have. And then in six months from now, if we're still not ranking for that keyword, yeah. then let's figure out what we can do off the website to make that work. Because sometimes, sometimes you can still get, you know, keyword rankings without affecting the, the site itself by getting, um, you know, mentions and curation and, and links from other websites where they're talking about the topic that you want to appear for. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot of just kind of taking a step back and saying, that's okay. It's, this is lifestyle. And again, yeah. that's, that's me coming from the introvert tech guy, um, trying to understand something that was totally new to me. And now I get it. And now in working with other clients in, in similar industries, um, you know, we, we work with luxury watches. Um, you know, we, we do um, uh, some support for a, a consignment site. A Grand Seiko is one of our clients that we've worked with as well. And, and a lot of those same uh, cues, <laughs> as you used earlier, um, in what we're providing in our SEO strategy, we really hold back uh, a lot of what we would have done five, 10 years ago because yeah. we understand the audience better. Yeah. So obviously speaking to people's lifestyle is huge. And, you know, Patagonia, as I mentioned, is an incredible lifestyle brand. It speaks to people who are outdoorsy, who are surfers, who are hikers, who are mountain climbers, right? And their lifestyle, the lifestyle part of the brand is intrinsically tied to the product. The important thing about lifestyle brand is today, because of social media and social media influencers, there are a lot of brands who try to be only a lifestyle brand as opposed to a product married to lifestyle brand, right? So the important Red Bull's entertainment site does that a little bit. I'm like, am I on the right site? Where do I go to find Red Bull? <laughs> right. So, so the trick is to have a great product and have the lifestyle part of it and speak to the lifestyle, but you have to continue to innovate the product. You have to create a great product and a great experience. I'll tell you a story. I'm working with a bottled water company right now that has a great product. It's this particular water, um, you know, that's has alkaline and minerals and, you know, it's just a great, great water. But for the last several years, they've hinged themselves, they've tied themselves to influencers. Mm -hmm. And what they've created is this marketing cycle that basically is so tied to influencers and influencers change all the time and mm -hmm. social media changes all the time. So mm -hmm. instead of sort of um, talking about their product, they've become only a lifestyle brand. And mm -hmm. so they're caught trying to, you know, ride waves of trends and that doesn't work to build a consistent and engaged up the bottom line cage yeah. brand. So what we're doing right now is we're tying them back to the value of the product and then looking at the lifestyle and go, look, who are we targeting? Are we targeting these social influencers or are we targeting people who are looking for health benefits, who are into working out, who are into looking good and being healthy instead of just, you know, who's trendy on social media right now. And that's going to make a huge difference for their brand because it's going to create a solid base in something that doesn't change every month or two months. It's going to connect um, their brand to a lifestyle that, a lifestyle choice that people make over an entire lifetime. Sure. So I think that lifestyle branding is great, but I'm also seeing that it can be tricky and you have to make sure that the lifestyle is intrinsically connected to your product. 
Right. I know. I know one of uh, one of the advisors that we've been working with to to try to get better at social. You know, I keep keep kind of downgrading ourselves a bit as as technical nerds and social media. You have to be a little bit more charismatic and and put yourself out there. Um, she's been giving us advice and looking at at some of her content. She has this amazing, fun, authentic um, uh, message and voice. But at the end, there's always a call to action to do something. Yeah. So and. And it doesn't have to be buy my stuff. It's just, hey, you know, by the way, if you want more, whatever, if you're interested in this topic, I've got something on my site you can go to. And there's always a call to action to drive them back and to, um, you know, to, to try to invoke action. So I thought I thought that was really interesting. And we're we're, we're thinking about that now, too, in our own messaging of, you know, hey, we want to share great content. We want to help people. But, you know, the, the long term goal of this is to actually grow our brand right in our company. So. What's yeah. what's our CTA? What are we going to do to, you know, to, to get people to come back and to pull them into, you know, the marketing automation funnel? There's yeah. nothing wrong with using that as a litmus test and going, look, if you want to engage with us, then do it and prove it and show us that you want to engage and we'll continue to create content for you. We'll continue to deliver value. Um, if you don't want to engage, then you may not be the right fans for us today. Right. So that's OK. I think that's uh, putting a call to action is very important because it's also, again, it's being transparent, right? Mm -hmm. You're not hiding the fact that you want to make a sale, that you want to work with people, that you want to bring people into your community. But then you're also not just pushing content to sale, right? Yeah. You're pushing content to to solve problems and help people. And if they want to reciprocate and, and learn a little bit more about you, you're giving them a cue to do that. Exactly. I love it. All right. Can you give us examples of brands that pass the initial test of your entrepreneurial artistic eye and really excite or inspire you? I'll tell you, there's a few um, brands that I like right now. So I'm a surfer and an outdoors person and, you know, I'm into health. And so I love a lot of the brands right now that cater to sort of my lifestyle. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a few doing it really well right now. Um, for example, there's a company called Mudwater, which okay. has like a cacao mushroom drink. They have a really solid, like the brand looks good. They have a great social media presence. They have a very great, very good engaged um, audience and the customer experience on their website and everything just works really well um, and a great product. So I think that what they're doing, and it's like one product that they have, um, well, they've just expanded, but they started with a single product. Um, so I love Mudwater. I love what they're doing. I like Tortuga Bags, which is a travel company that sells bags. They're super, their ethos is authentic. They do a lot of transparency. So they always talk about their personal journey and what they're, what they're going through. So even at the beginning of the pandemic, they had this really great email about, you know, what they're, you know, how they're looking at travel now and really thoughtful, you know, a thoughtful group of people creating a very good product. Um, I have one of their bags and it's excellent. Um, you know, I'll tell you a brand that I like is Mazda. And so I've been a luxury car guy for the last, you know, 10 or 15 years. And I bought my first Mazda um, uh, a few months ago. And I got to say, I'm so impressed with their brand. And I bought 
a Mazda because of their brand, because I just, their attention to detail and their curves. And in some people's eyes, that doesn't make me a great brand strategist because I used to be an Audi guy. That's but me. We're just talking about that. I have, a, I have the new A5 convertible, so. Great. Yeah. So I've had an Audi for the last, you know, 10 years or so. And I was, don't worry. I I won't, I won't call you that out loud. I'm wait. That's all right. But I got to say that I really love their brand, like what they're doing for a small car company. They only have a few models of cars, but if you go to their website, they are talking about their design ethos, like the way they present their story. I just found compelling. And I just thought, wow, look at this little brand that is trying to do something. It's like a little brand trying to do big things. And I just, I love that. Um, you know, I love uh, Mind Valley. Do you know who Mind Valley is? I don't. They're Wait, uh, nutrition bars or? No, no, no. They're a coaching company that, yeah. you know, uh, entrepreneur slash coaching. I don't know. Anyways, they do an amazing job of really uh, having an ethos and a value proposition and a message. Um, you know, there's just a lot of great companies out there. Uh, apparel company called Walter Sky that I like. Topo Designs. Um, Laird Superfoods is a company I really like. It's uh, Laird Hamilton, who's a surfer, who okay. has a great food company that's about to go public. Where do you, where do you um, surf, by the way? Because I, I used to I surf down Huntington Beach, like on the uh the left side of the pier and that was like my place forever nice uh my place is topanga here in la okay um but i also surf in uh, manhattan beach a lot and uh, i go up north and i go down south to san clemente so yeah totally totally off topic but but have you have you ever been to inn of the seventh ray in topanga canyon it's a restaurant up there. It's called Inn of the Seventh Ray. I've and seen it, but I've never eaten there. Oh my God. It's absolutely amazing. If you guys, if anyone's who's listening or watching, if you're ever in LA, make reservations at Inn of the Seventh Ray. It's just this amazing little place where you, you can sit in your own private garden and have dinner and oh, wow. there's a cottage where there's, you know, um, stone, cobblestone and fireplace. Just amazing. So kind of yeah. neat for, uh, for those of you who are out in that neck of the woods. So, um, you know, on this podcast. What's that? Are they a sponsor of this podcast? No, but they I guess they they are get free sponsorship on this one, right? Um, so one one of the brands that used to inspire me, funny enough, and they were a funny brand and they had a, a really interesting thing was uh, Old Spice. Uh, I would watch the Old Spice guy and I would I would watch how he provokes um celebrities and he basically latches on and grabs chunks of their audience with every video that he does. Mm -hmm. You know, he did one where he wrote Alyssa Milano a love letter you know, with the big feather pen and had flowers and everything. And she yeah. received them and she wrote him back and did another video um, responding to him. And yeah. I thought that was such an amazing thing because it's it's using a, a character, a personality that's that's funny, maybe a little sexy for those who think it is. Yeah. And 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 at the same time, he was he was basically pulling other influencers audiences by by provoking him. I thought that was what such an interesting thing. And and it was always for fun. It was never just I'm gonna steal your your audience. It was, yeah. you know, I'm I'm talking to you directly, you know, and I just thought that was such an inspiring kind of fun um way to to build a um you know build up or rebuild a brand that's around deodorant. How that's like me complaining, oh we're a tech company. We can't be funny. They're a deodorant company and they're hilarious. So, you know, we, we just have to think a little bit more out of the box, I think, and, and 
for those brands that are, you know, we do plumbing. How can we make that funny? You know, um, I've seen all sorts of funny plumbing commercials where it it says, you know, don't worry, our shirts are always tucked in and just funny stuff that people can relate to. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's always an angle. It's just kind of figuring out what that is and how it works for yours. One one thing that I have recommended to a lot of businesses who do struggle uh, with the creative process is to use crowdsourcing like Amazon Mechanical Turk. We've we've had clients go and spend two to three, four hundred dollars um, asking 10 cent questions to thousands of people, um, you know, for ideas and inspiration. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. if, if you were starting a new brand in this area, how would you make it funny? Um, and then what you do is you take all that data and the thousands of feedback and you assign it to somebody who does some data entry and they just create a column and and theme each of those answers. And then you run a pivot table and you see which of the themes come up the most often. What are the common responses so that you have some somewhat of a starting point as you start to test new creative and new ideas? Yeah. Well, for more for most companies, you know, again, being funny is risky, right? Uh, doing what Old Spice did probably took some risk on their part to do something, you know, different um, and probably went, went against, you know, certain voices. I'm sure not everybody was on board when they started, you know, these campaigns. And so I think that if you are going to do that, you have to do it in, in step in stages, right? Because not everybody is comfortable with a certain type of risk. Not everybody is comfortable, comfortable with that vulnerability that it takes to put out something that may seem off brand. So it's actually a practice, right? You do it bit by bit over and over until it becomes second nature until a year down the line or two years down the line, suddenly that is your brand. Yep. I love it. And it, and it evolves. I've watched businesses go from, you know, real nerve wracking first. Okay. I'm live. What do I do? And then a year later, it's like, Hey, we're here on site with so-and-so and we're going to be talking about whatever. And like, wow, they're so relaxed now. And they're so, you know, and they they found their, you know, their, um, their comfort zone. Yeah. Well, we're getting to the end of an hour and I Great. guess there's enough time to ask that controversial question we had, if you're up for it. Um, because <laughs> the election just happened. Yeah. Uh, what do you What do you recommend to companies that are feeling a nudge, you know, to their glory or, or demise to amp up the um, and broadcast the values of their branding by endorsing political causes and candidates? Look, is this seems like a tough question, but it really isn't, right? You have to know yourself as yeah. a company, right? So you have to build an ethos and a value system into your brand. Mm -hmm. And you have to do that before things come up, right? Before situations challenge you to do something. So again, I'll point out Patagonia. Pata you expect Patagonia when something happens politically to say something, to weigh in, right? You expect them to. And so in fact, if they don't weigh in, they're going against their brand because you know that they take a stand on this. Right. So, but you don't expect that from Coca-Cola. So you don't want Coca-Cola yeah. to suddenly weigh in on political matters. That ruins what Coca-Cola actually stands for, which is being above the fray. So the answer to that question really is a piece of advice for people is to take their ethos and their values and their brand message seriously right from the beginning. And if you didn't do it at the beginning, do it today and take a stand today for what you believe in, whether it's being 
for a certain cause, whether it's being against a certain cause, whether it's being above, you know, the above, above, say, a political cause or a social cause and understand who you are and speak to that from the get go so that when the situation rises, you know, the values that you have, the ethos that you have, they'll define that answer for you. Yeah, our ethos helped define our push to to really support the Black Lives Matter campaign. That was really important to us. Uh, what is important to another client uh, that we worked with where we suggested on social media if it was important to them to have a voice. Um, so instead of instead of really pushing the specific topic when when there was a lot going on at the time, we said, you know what, why not why not just put have a voice? That's so at least you're you're part of the conversation. You're not swaying one way or the other. And if somebody does ask, well, what's your voice? Then it's up to you if you want to chime in or not. But this way you're you're at least staying involved in conversations. And if it's important and you know it's important, don't be afraid to to jump into the conversation. That sometimes it makes it worse, especially in, in that particular campaign. You know, so so we, you know, we said, look, just just put hashtag, you know, um, have a voice. And it doesn't say one way or the other, but it still says you're listening, you know this is an important and an uncomfortable time and you're not ignoring it. Yeah. I'll give you I'll give you a great example that happened at the beginning of the pandemic. And I actually did a webinar about this. Okay. So when the pandemic happened, um, we got a lot of notices from all the companies that were on their mailing list that mm -hmm. said how they're dealing with the pandemic, right? And one of the voices at the beginning that I heard was Nordstrom. Nordstrom kept on sending me emails saying, hey, we know times are tough and no matter what, um, you can buy online, right? So their initial response was like, hey, times are tough. We're going to let you buy online. That was their, that was their, their, their message. Then I got another email from Marriott Bonvoy. I don't know, Marriott Bonvoy. And their CEO wrote this long letter about what they are doing to help in the pandemic. They say, look, times are tough. We have, we're at, you know, only 26% capacity right now. So we understand. So we're suffering the way you're suffering. And we've decided to open a percentage of our rooms to medical uh, workers on the front lines. And he wrote this beautiful, heartfelt email. And I just saw the contrast between the way these two companies use their voice. One is like, hey, we're still open for business. We know times are tough. Come shopping online with us. And one is like, hey, we understand that you know, you're in a world of hurt and this is what we're doing to help the situation. And the contrast just couldn't be more obvious. So who won my vote? You know, who won my, my heart? And I, and I love I love how they adapted too. Marriott actually, you know, I think a month ago they said said, "Hey, do you need to get out of the house to work? Come, you know, rent, you know, uh, a space for the day. Come work, yeah. you know, uh, here at the Marriott. We have fast Wi-Fi and quiet places for you to work." Yeah. Uh, I thought that was really neat. So they they yeah they they jumped in. They said, "We're here's how we're we're helping, um, yeah. but we also understand what you're going through. And if you'd like to, you know, spend a little bit less and just come in and use the Wi-Fi, you know, by all means, do that." I thought that was pretty amazing because now they're helping everybody, not just, yeah. you know, the, the frontline people. Yeah. So, so think, really about, think about the points that they won with anybody who's on their list versus Nordstrom. Nordstrom won nothing. In fact, they turned people off and Marriott 
probably won customers for life who will remember that email in that moment forever. Our, our governor is doing a little bit of that right now. I think he said, uh, hey, I know you're you're all out of work and there's no um, uh, no money coming in right now. But what I want you to do is get rid of your old car and go buy a new car because, you know, you can't have cars that are older than 15 years. So we have a better yeah. environment. And everyone's like, what is going on right now? Yeah. California, you know what's going on in California is something called an exodus. That's <laughs> what's happening. So anyway, I'm not going anywhere. This is my home. Um, yeah, me too. Uh, well, cool. Let's see. We already talked about that. I think I think that about wraps it up. Is there where where can people find you online if they if they want to learn more about you know what you're doing at Superbrand or um, yeah. you know follow you online? Connect with me on LinkedIn. Obviously, just look for Gil Naveau. Okay. Um, and go to superbrand.la. So it's uh, superbrand.la. Um, yeah, come in and work with us. You know, we do a great job. Um, we have one of the best offerings in the world, I think, for brand strategy. For we, we say we work with businesses of any size because we do. You know, we work anywhere from, you know, enterprise companies to small businesses, but we've structured an offering that allows even a small company to get agency quality branding and strategy at a great price and in a package that doesn't take years to do. It just takes a few weeks and it's not expensive and it's affordable. And we have great designers and, and people we work with and you work with me. So, you know, I, yeah, come to superbrand.org. I encourage every brand to at least consider looking at their own brand and getting a second opinion. What, you know, Tim Ash says this a lot. He says, your, your, your brand and your website are like your baby, right? And sometimes you don't realize your baby might be ugly <laughs> and it takes somebody else to tell you that and no one wants to. So reach out and, and ask Gil to say, oh, hey, yeah. could you take a look at our brand and give us some feedback? I'm sure you could throw a couple you know, sentences back at them and, and if it catches their interest, maybe they'll get on a call with you to see, you know, how Superbrand can help. Yep. We unlock, we literally do unlock the power of people's brand. We do that tweaking. We, you know, we look at the nuts and bolts and we figure out how do you make this brand what you've always wanted it to be a brand that engages people, a brand that, you know, um, speaks to people and creates an emotional connection so that you can increase your revenue. So you can double, triple, you know, exponentially grow your business. Branding is huge for that. Um, I've kind of seen it here. ourselves, so we're, we're we're practicing what you're preaching. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Well, thank you so much Gil, for being on on this episode. I'd love to do another one in the future, maybe going through a a, a full kind of beginning to end case study. Uh, I think a lot of businesses could value what that process looks like and what's involved and how it all kind of comes together. So maybe we can talk offline about ways that we can um, bring something like that to the table for more context for those who heard a lot of really good ideas that might want to, you know, see a little more visual on what that process looks like. Yeah, be happy to do that. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Thanks for having thanks. me. Really appreciate it. Of course. And uh, I guess for those who are, are listening, we'll have this up on the uh, podcast for you. And thank you so much for listening and watching. And Gil, we'll, uh, we'll see you on a future episode. Bye, everyone. <laughs>